Hey darlings, it's Sandra. I just want to come in at the start before the episode begins and apologise for the quality of the audio mm, this week. Believe it or not, this is after hours and hours of audio engineering <laughs> by a very skilled audio engineer and this is the best that we can do for you. Oh, my laughs are going to be painful. <laughs> we know that I like a good cackle and um, I'm editing it at the moment and I just thought I've got to come and make a little apology clip because damn I will be changing the way that we record the audio from now on so that this never happens again I'm all about strategic backups so um, um, in saying that please enjoy the conversation is a really good one and um, again my apologies darlings Hey, hi everybody. This is me testing to see if I'm still recording on the fucking webcam microphone or my desk <laughs> microphone. Well, I think this is your desk microphone. Hey everybody, this is Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter, and we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode 21. This season we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit, and today we're diving into chapter 20. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I am the director of the Goddess Kindled Universe, which is a publishing company, and we publish magical realism and real magic. And I'm Alicia Seymour, and I am a fantasy author, and I write stories about darkness and wonder. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Mm-hmm. Ah, so <laughs> it's, it's, a big, it's kind of a big day. Happy inauguration day. day to all of my American friends. Yeah, yeah. It'll be uh, interesting to see how these next few days go. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's going to be good stuff, but. Yeah. Well, I hope everything is cool and calm and just smooth yeah. sailing. That's my wish for you all. Yes. Thank you. And so. How are you this week? How are you feeling? Um, In your cup? Should we just go straight into the cup? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we might have daughter and puppies today. Oh. Paul Gara's cup. My cup this week is chamomile tea with a shot of whiskey. That's supposed to say whiskey. Um, it's a great combination. <laughs> it sounded really good. Because I've been um, enjoying a lot of time with friends and loved ones this past week. Had some of their friends involved and it was just really kind of relaxing. And I've been doing a lot of that, the drawing still with um, Neurographica drawing. Oh, I good. Finished, I finished two. 
working on a third one. They're just really fun mm-hmm. to use. I did uh, some Lord of the Rings, and now I'm starting one from the Dark Crystal. Just okay. To, I like theming them that way because it yeah. makes it fun for me. <laughs> um, and what else did I even... Oh, I st- I've still been working on my book, though that's going more slowly, and that's... I feel okay with that because um, I don't want to sit down and write um, when I'm feeling stressed out. Sometimes it helps me to if I'm mm. stressed out to sit down and write, but there's other times where I can tell I'm just going to sit down and stress myself out more. Yeah. And I've been able to start telling the difference. And so when I know it's going to be just stressing me out more, I just don't do it. Yep. And I don't allow myself to feel guilty about it. Well done. Um, and so otherwise just trying, not trying, but I am staying at peace. Yeah. Um, even though it seems like the whole country is kind of in chaos and even people around me, like closer to me are just getting really caught up in all of the media yeah. and all that. Yeah. So, but I've, I've been able to stay centered through it. And so it's kind of like, that you know it's very relaxing but then there's also just this kind of fire the whiskey is like the fire that I feel burning inside of me that's that's a good fire you know not yeah the chaotic, not the chaotic fire it's very calming and healing yes no I know I understand what you're saying mm-hmm. yeah so I mean it's been a pretty mellow week but um sorry my dog got my eraser no. <laughs> yeah it's been a pretty mellow week but um it's also been really good Mm. oh fantastic well um chamomile chamomile tea with a shot of whiskey (laughs) i kind of want to try that (laughs) i haven't actually tried it just sounded like that's what i'd be drinking this week oh i'm so sorry oh and it's the end of my day it's 8.30 at night. I've been working all day on my, our new publishing uh, company website and it's looking really good, but, mm. you know, it's pretty intense work, lots of designing. Yeah. Um, so this week my potion is a rainbow fruit frappe. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like really fun and uh... <laughs> So it's really, it's really colorful. Yeah, it's very unlike me. Really colorful <laughs> and and light and sweet and tangy. And it it that's what I kind of feel like. I'm I've been drawing and painting every day this week still. And I'm I've discovered that my favorite um, combination of mediums is watercolor and ink. I really like, I really, really enjoy that kind of picture. And um, uh, so I didn't, don't think I put a photo in last week. We were talking about painting and drawing. And I was a very, very, very bad podcast host and I didn't put any pictures in to the Patreon feed. I was like, I just didn't do anything. I'm so sorry, everybody. But I'll, I'll be on it this week and we'll put some fun stuff in um, for you all to look at. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'll try not to overwhelm you with like email, 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 email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could even just be uh, posted on Patreon as like a hey, look at this. Yeah, this but like, yeah, every time you when I put a post on Patreon, um, people get an email. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Oh, you can turn it off, though. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true, people. If we get too much, just, like, say once a day or, I don't know, there's probably some sort of way to wrangle your settings. Come on, digital people. I always turn off all email alerts. Yeah. And I say just the alert on my phone, like, lock screen. It'll just, and even sometimes that, I turn that off and I only ask for the little red numbers. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. a great idea, people. Do that. Otherwise, it is. Otherwise, it'll be too much because I'm going to put stuff. We're going to put stuff in there, so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so there's that's the color, and then the ice part of the. I chose a frappe instead of a smoothie because that's dedicated to my darling wife, who tried to catch a very heavy set of drawers that we were trying to move upstairs with her toe. And I had a big panic when it first happened because I thought, oh, my God, I've chopped her toe off because, you know, we were trying to move this thing together. It's like an old set of um, uh, office drawers that would sit under the desk. There were some old ones at work and we snagged a couple uh, from her office. And so this was just stupidly heavy so we had the like the dolly the little the trolley to zoink 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 it up the stairs um, yeah. tipped it up put it on the trolley and it just on her toe like the edge of it on her toe so when she stopped swearing and because you know how much that hurts yeah so when she stopped swearing and 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 it was just crying mostly silent put ice like an ice pack and doctored it with some tea tree oil and a band-aid it's okay she has a toe it didn't get chopped off but it did take a big chunk of her toenail and and the side of her toe that feeling is so awful i know right (laughs) so yes so the frappe is for her Hmm. but i'm doing well apart from that I've been designing the. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I almost chopped her toe off, but I'm doing well. <laughs> well, well, well. I say I'm doing well, but I kicked my toe on a thing in the attic, on an exposed beam, and took a chunk out of the side of my toe. I did that last week, so I'm almost better. <laughs> so the toe fiascos are hopefully over. Yeah. And, and. So um, my Goddess Kindled Universe, the publishing company website, is coming along. It's looking so beautiful. I can't wait to launch it. A lot more, a lot more work to go, but it's looking beautiful. That's exciting. But because I tend to go, whew, I haven't been doing any writing. Yeah. Well, writing in books. I've been trying. I've been, you know, you got to write the copy to go on the website, but. I haven't been writing in my books, so I've been a little bit nasty to myself about that. Yeah, I understand that. 
That's exactly kind of like what I was just saying for myself is it takes a lot of folk like you were talking about earlier and before the show it takes a lot of focus too for this to not hold guilt over yourself for not writing. Yeah. Yep. And and but but I'm making progress in that I I'm like, you know, this is my process. This is how I do a thing. So I'm like, you know, if I was doing a website for anyone else I wouldn't be beating myself up because it wasn't done, 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 like in three days or whatever, or one day, you know, because me. And, um, you know, I have to do it and then I have to look at it and then, you know, like if you just, as when you do, as you design anything, it's a process. So I'm trying to be kind to me. Yeah. And the it's also like you're focused so much on this and you get it done in a few days then it's done and behind you and then you're just back to your writing anyways rather than uh, trying to do a little bit each day of yeah. both which you know some people prefer it that way and I'm I've and I am like that like I I I need lots of input lots of different kinds of input to keep me inspired and keep my momentum going for all of my projects. So if I try to stay on one thing for too long, I just fizz out. And it takes me a lot long, like a quite a long time to get myself motivated and get that momentum going again. So, so if I pay attention and I'm like, yep, okay, so I'm doing the website at the moment, I've finished getting all the stuff up for the course. Now I'm doing the website. If I get that finished, that's great. And I think something that's really helpful for me is the art projects that I'm doing because usually it's a maximum of two days between when I start a new art project and finish it. So, and a lot of the time it's one day, especially on the weekend when I can spend like several hours you know, just sit at my table all afternoon and work on a on a painting or something. Those little projects in between the other things keep my momentum going because I'm getting that input from the different places. And that's just how I work. Yeah. What about you? I feel like it is similar for me. It, the drawing has become an aspect of that now, just extremely recently. But the other one for me is either like going for walks out in nature or, and this took me a long time to accept this, is watching fantasy stuff. Like I'll literally, like I used to guilt myself for watching. Dobby's got a sock. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay. She likes to grab his socks. He leaves them thrown everywhere. Um, but yeah, so like just sitting and watching that kind of stuff helps me generate ideas or even just reminds me that I'm on the right track because I'll see how much I'm like, oh my gosh, I see the same pattern in my fantasy story as mm -hmm. in all of these. Yep. And that's what you want to see because yep. then you're on, you got the structure there. Yep. And so I just, it helps me to be like, oh my gosh, I yep. am actually doing it right. And yep. it's totally valid, um, totally valid. Like all of, if I think about all of the different inputs I've got going on at the moment, I'm designing a website. 
um, building the building the website, writing the copy, drawing, painting, um, cooking, watching cooking shows to get myself inspired again for that. I'm reading um, a book. I'm listening to a different book. So, and I you do, and I do all of that, and I'm crochet. I've got a crochet project going, and so it seems like like that's ridiculous. You've got way too many things going on, but it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. My my, as you're talking, my other one is um, sitting in meditation, like a the guided ones I found from Dr. Joe Dispenza, mm-hmm. because it's like it's like a journey in itself for mm-hmm. me. The mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So I get that, you know, and I'm talking more about this in my um, prophecy speaks, but it makes oh, okay, sense. Cool. Yes, that, okay. that, um, you know, yeah, there's so many people out there that have success talking about, you got to pick the one thing and do the one thing. And that's great for you them. Know, you know, you know, I was reading this email the other day from there. There are guys who are on one of the writing podcasts they're on. And I signed up for their, it's the one I told you to listen to that one time, like a while back. There's two guys and they're both English, I think. And it's called the Tiny Little Businesses is their company. Oh. I signed up for their email. Yeah. And it's in their emails that one of the emails that just came through was talking about how those who have made the success and are telling you to do all these things and you're watching them. It's like, yeah, okay. They do have the success, but how many other people have done that and not had the success? Yeah. Right. And so most people don't keep that in mind. And so it's not for everybody. No, exactly right. And I just really liked their approach. Uh, I really like what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, yes. I did I look at this. I did look at this. Yeah, if you just opt into their uh, email list, they send okay. you six emails, and it's they're not even selling anything. They're just literally yeah, talking yeah. to you about awesome stuff. Cool. And it's business-related. Oh, like, cool. Um, oh, I'll have to have a look. Indiepreneurs. <laughs> I'm indiepreneurs. Okay, cool. I'll have a look. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and and... I mean, but this is, we have, this is a theme that we've talked about in before the show and all the way through to now. What is right for you is not necessarily right for me. And it, nor does it need to be. It's true. It's true. Garion's view. What is Garion's view this week, darling? Okay. Um, Garion's view is they're traveling toward Thulmurgos. Am I correct on that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. And then Relg in the beginning is driving Garion a little bit crazy because Garion's been put in charge of, of like keeping him company, making sure he doesn't go crazy again. Um, and then they witness Murgo's run a thole off the edge of a cliff mm-hmm. or whatever that thing is and then they um, continue on meet a man along the road who tells them what they're walking into isn't anything good mm-hmm. so they already knew that though <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, but it sort of gets more particular. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, puppy's barking. <laughs> so what did you think of this chapter before we begin? It was interesting. It, it was definitely like one of those journey chapters, you know, because they're on the road. You got to make something happen, keep things moving along. Oh, okay. Um, but, I mean... I don't know. I think I was just maybe tired when I was reading, or it felt long. To okay. Me. Yeah. It's 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 it is a it's it's a long one of the longer chapters, and it's kind of dense in um like it. We're mainly focused on Relg in this chapter. Relg, and we we get a bit more of an insight into the um, um Mergos and the Grolems and the Thals. Mm-hmm. And we'd start to get an idea of what their religion is like. Right. And that was interesting. That was interesting. And I think because religion is sort of the central, uh, the core of all of all goes all go life. You know, we we discover that Relg's quite innocent. <laughs> he's he's very naive and quite innocent in his notions of the world in general and religion specifically. So, so that um, I, I, I find this chapter really interesting and um, we'll try not to go too deep because I'm too fucking tired to go too deep. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, it's already been, it's already been an hour and we're just getting started. So jinkies. Right. Um, but yeah, at the start of the chapter, you know, they're just kind of going along. It's observed that Belgrass let go of his anger towards Garion, and and he's placed Garion in charge of of Relg, watching him because he's basically like he seems to. Is it because he seems to be drawn to Garion? Well, he thinks sort of, the, the the text says that um, he he's like he seems to trust you for some reason. So Belgarath yeah. says, "You're in charge. You're in charge of making sure that he doesn't fly off the handle again." He seems to trust you for some reason. Yeah. They they go as they're going along. Garion discovers that you know, Rel's favorite topic is sin as he feared, um, and and he's kind of amazed at the things that Relg finds sinful, you know, really simple stuff, not praying before a meal or, you know, it's like a major thing. Yes. I and, understand um, that. <laughs> it's funny sure. because you see the parallels of, of this with Relg and Olgo's probably are like the Catholic Church of this world. Do you think? I can see parallels between us, between a couple, a few religions. Yeah, yeah. I just know Catholicism really well since yeah. I was raised in it. Yeah. It's the same with Game of Thrones and the the Red Woman and the, all those people that she's part of. I don't know um, the story. All right, you haven't seen it. But it's that they're also in Game of Thrones. They are like the Catholic Church. And then... Okay. In, Cursed. Did you watch Cursed on Netflix? Uh, no, no, I haven't watched. I watched the first, ep the first episode. And you saw two episodes. 
Okay. But you saw the people in red in that too? They were like the Catholic yes. Church as well. Yes, Always yes, yes. Who's in red? Hmm. Handmaid's Tale. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Haven't read that either. Not going to. Oh my gosh, we are living almost. Yeah, I don't think that this, my consciousness, I don't think that I would be adding value to the world by giving that particular scenario the power of my awareness and energy. I just don't (laughs) think that that's a good thing. Um, Yeah, so they're talking about sin and... As interest, it's interesting that uh, most of Relg's sins are of thought, not deed. Yeah. The things that he wants to talk about (laughs) with Garion in detail. Yes. Yeah. So they get into that conversation of his thoughts about women specifically is what we see. Lustful thoughts about women. Yeah. Yeah, and what I thought of you when he started talking about <laughs> how women are different than men, uh, you know, talking about how they deliberately tempt men with their bodies and all of this stuff. Yeah, and all that I could think, like, as I was reading this, I, I deliberately kind of went, just take a step back, Sandra, <laughs> take a breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have a like really read what the what the story's saying. And so all I could see is through his ranting is is Relg condemning himself for the lustful thoughts that fill his heart, for the fact that he notices and is attracted or inflamed to lust by the exposed ankle, the exposed arm, the touch, and and the ranting, you know, being uh, ostensibly directed at the women who are different from men because they're not holy, you know, is actually him, he's actually directing that at himself like all of this, all of the, the carry-on and then the self-flagellation, like the, the fact that he throws it out at everybody else and everybody else is like tainted and, and contaminated and they're all, you know, unworthy. And then he turns it around and flips it on himself and just crucifies himself for, for all of his thoughts. And the fact that that happens... Like, that's really telling. He's just this, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He's definitely ridden with guilt just for basically existing and being a human being. Yeah. Um, But he sort of sees it as wicked, 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 wicked. Yeah. And even, you know, goes too far as explaining how he projected all of that outward and, and almost considered like banning marriage and all of this. And- yeah, on his followers. I love I love this little conversation between him and Gary. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he's like, well, if first he's like, if, if, if the women showing their whatever bothers you, then don't look. 
you know, and then when it comes and down but, to like, But did you notice that he's like, he just doesn't even acknowledge that Garion says that or suggests don't look because, like, you know, no, he just goes straight into the. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the whole idea of not having marriage and, you know, there's no more children being born and all of that. And Garion asks, well, what about the new Gorham that you're supposed to identify you know, if there's no babies being born, how will the gore, the new Gorham be born? And then he just yeah. crashes. It's like, oh, my God, it can't and, do anything right, you see? Yeah, and, I mean, the thing about this is I could get all bent out of shape mm-hmm. because he's so fanatical in his, in his opinion that he must be perfect and in his quest for perfection to serve his God, he's twisted everything so harshly that everything, like nothing that he can, does or thinks can be perfect enough. And so everything that he does think, feel or do has a deeply wicked element to it because he can't possibly be perfect enough for his God. And that's, you know, I think there's a big element of that in why he's fanatical. Well, that it, that's kind of where my mind went this time anyway, when now, you know, because I'm trying to sort of really look at the characters because Grell historically has always really pissed me off and I've just kind of tried to skim across the top of his stuff because he irritates the crap out of me. But I'm finding myself softer, like really kind of, yes, I was feeling, I feel differently about him. Like I'm really trying to, wonder why he is the way he is this reading yeah well it's like you've said before like you're in a different place now than you were the other times you read this totally it's true that when you really that's usually what the case is in any situation with somebody when they're out there and, and they're blaming all these other people for others they're actually turning it on themselves without realizing it because they see it within themselves. It's always, it is always directed at yourself. Mm-hmm. I think. What's interesting is as you're describing Rel too, I was like, oh my gosh, that was, that was exactly how I felt. All of that stuff about myself. And it was all, I don't know about all, but a large majority of it was due to all of the stuff I was fed as a child yeah. in my religion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To believe. And I literally was. I would sit there and feel awful because of thoughts that I had. Yep. Because of what you thought, because you are wicked to start with because of original sin. You are born a sinner. You are born wicked. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand. Yeah. These last couple of years, I really understood why it's taken me so long to reach this point I'm at now. Because there was a lot of 
stuff oh, to let go of. It's a lot of shit to work through. Hey, how are you in that vein? How do you go with the the goddess Kusum miracles language, the text in there? Because it uses quite um quite Christian, yeah. traditionally Christian language. There's some times where it can be hard for me. Like, I don't know if you remember last year when we started at the very beginning, the first time the word holy, yes. holiness came up, I was like, uh-uh, no way. Yeah. I cannot, I hear that word and all I think of is like a priest standing at an altar yeah. talking at me, you know. And mm, I'm looking forward to mm, working through that stuff with people more intimately because I could have changed that I could have changed the language but I didn't I didn't I didn't change it on purpose because it's so triggering and if it's so triggering there's a wound there right that we need to soften into rather than just skate across and pretend it isn't there there's like we if we redefine that stuff for ourselves, then it's it's we stop wounding. We stop re-wounding ourselves over and over again. Yeah, it really helped me to just equate holiness is wholeness. Yeah, I mean, that was such thing. a that was such a, an interesting. Um, when you said that, it was like that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, since then, like, that word doesn't get to me anymore. Mm -hmm. But I also feel um, more readings that I've done, more meditations that I've done have helped me redefine all of that for myself. Yeah. Like, or just not even attach meaning to their words. Like, yeah. meaning is meaning. But where's it, where's it powerful? Mean? <laughs> the way that we internalize it, the, the words, that's really powerful. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Relg's sort of like, oh, shit, I can't even, you know, I'm trying to be good and I can't do anything right, you know. Why did all choose to reveal the child to me when I'm so corrupt? Mm -hmm. So this is the sort of thing that he carries on and on about. So they travel for days. So this, this chapter sort of goes for days and days and they're travelling in the... Um, in the grasslands of Algaria toward the Eastern Escarpment, towards um, um, Thor Mishrak and the land of the Murgos. And everybody else steers clear of Gary and he gets quite sulky over the course of a uh, uh, few days. Like nobody wants to have anything to do with Relg. They've just left, they've kind of abandoned Gary to the this this little guy. Yeah, you know. He did a good job, I think. Just I think so too. Sorting through it. And they're like, all oh, right, so well, too. I don't have a choice. I'm spending nine days with this guy, so yeah. let's make the best of it. Yeah, well, I think that, yeah. Why do you think Rob trusts him? I think it's from that comment um, when Gary and used the term we when he was referring to yeah. the gods. Yeah. I think that was one point. There might be other points too, but it's it was interesting. like after that moment where he was like, oh, 
you know the ways of the gods and kind of became awestruck by him. And well, you know what, I wonder if it's not so much awestruck as, because I mean, like Belgarat is supposedly speaking with all's voice. Like he gives, he tells Rog what to do, Rog does it because all has said, treat, you know, whatever he says as though I have said it. So that would be where I would expect the ore to go. But Gary and I, I don't, it doesn't treat him that way. But so it's like the halfway point, like the safe point where he's godly, but he's not, I don't know. I mean, he's proved that he won't punish him. Right. So maybe there's a sense of safety, there's a sense of safe space there that he can sort of unburden himself from all of this stuff that's going on inside of him, knowing that he's not going to be punished, but feeling like Garion, like is that a safe place for him to do that? Yeah, I think he also believes Garion is wise enough to give him any kind of guidance that might come from it. And tell him when he's being a dick. Right. Like, because he doesn't, Garion doesn't, doesn't just let him walk all over him, mm-hmm. which I think shows how much Garion's growing. Like, he doesn't just sit back. Not that he's ever really sat back. He's a bit of a jump in and draw swords <laughs> kind of character, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they get to the Eastern Escarpment. So do you understand what the Eastern Escarpment is now? It, well, I imagined, again, like the wall from Game of Thrones, except not of ice. Yes. Okay, again, I don't know Game of Thrones, but like in, like a mile-high wall of rock mm-hmm. just that comes up sheer out of the ground, a big cliff in front of them yeah. from the grass. Um, and so they have to get to the top to get into um, Mishrak Akthol. And, of course, Silk knows a secret trail because hmm. it's Silk. Yes, he's gone up the trail before when he was running away from... He <laughs> just stumbled across it. <laughs> somebody. <laughs> running away from somebody. Yes, it, it's, it becomes a thing, like a, uh, I had the occasion to leave Mishrak Akthol in a hurry once. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yeah. So they have to like really kind of maneuver up slowly because there's not only water coming down, but it gets really narrow at some points. The horses can't even fit. They have to help them. Yeah. So it's not so- through and yes. it takes a long time. So I was trying to like, it's not so much a path as a, a place where the water runs down the face of the cliff that is cut in. So it's very steep mm-hmm. and it's muddy because there's just a bit of water and it would be, I mean, that would be terrifying. <laughs> Taking horses up this tiny, steep little muddy path. Right. And so I, so they, they take some two days to get to the top. That's how high this thing is. I love what Barrack says when they get to the top and they just kind of poor collapse. Barrack says, I feel as if someone's been beating me with a big dirty stick. <laughs> a very big dirty stick. 
Yeah, I would imagine so. And they, they rest for a while. And Silk is just up over after a few moments, like he's really very fit little dude. And um, he's sort of off to check things out, see what's going on. And um, Barak and Dernick and Mandralin and Garion go with him. Uh, well, it's just, I remember that scene where he had to like keep listing the ones that went with him. You know, the author did, had to keep. And it just, I felt, I feel the pain that when I observe this in other books, because when I have a group and I'm trying to like explain them all moving, it's like, yep. how do I do this without listing every single name and like making it? And, so and the difficulty kind of- is if it's a group and some of them are going and some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so he did. He literally just said, like, lists them out. The yeah. first they go. And then again, he lists them again for something later on. So he lists them to go. And, but he also says, Barak, um, um, Belgara says, I'm not ready to start moving yet. I'm just, you, off you go. Go see what's going on. So you kind of get a, get a clear picture. Yeah, but it, it's not hard to read, though. It wasn't. No, it's not. It just made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they're, they're hiding in a gully looking out across the, the uh, an, a big rocky plain, just a dead, arid plain that stretches out to the horizon. And they can see a cloud of dust. Um, and they notice... Um, some some horses so they say that there's a this horse is coming and then garion spots a little speck out in front of the horses running yeah so silk explains to them and i guess he just knows this from being around them so much that these are grolems and they're chasing after a thull who's running away from yeah then because he's been chosen for what is the word um Really? chosen for the to sacrifice. be sac- to be sacrificed yeah so what do uh, what did you glean from this like what do you understand is happening in this scene i don't know just the that exactly that <laughs> that's all i got is that they're chasing him He's running away to avoid being killed, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. Like, Garion and Dernick are quite shocked. Does it say Dernick or Garion? I don't know. Anyway, it's quite shocking because the Thull just keeps running, 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 and he runs right off the cliff. Yeah. Rather than let himself get caught. And um, I, um, the way that Silk, like Silk is the one who knows what's going on here and he explains it to the others. Well, he explains it to Relg, right? Because Relg is kind of well, like, not Relg. yet. He does explain it to Relg when they get back to the group in much more detail. But at this point, he's up, they're just observing. Belgarath has said, don't do anything unless they actually come into the gully. 
And Silk just sort of says to um, exactly what you've said, just very simply, the thole is running to escape being sacrificed. It happens quite frequently. And so Gary and like he, the, the soul passes close enough for Gary and to see his facial expressions and hear the frantic way that he's pulling his breath in, like running, literally just running, not even for his life, just um, in an absolute terror. And Silk is quite beautiful, I think, the way that he is. Um, he, he he gets kind of soft like um, it just feels such pity for uh, this escaping bull. You know, they almost never try to hide. All they do is run. And he knows that he knows what's going to happen. The others don't know because Mandrillon says, oh, they're going to overtake him soon. But Silk says, no, I, no, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he runs off the cliff. And yeah. um, and so Garion's just like, and the other's like, what kind of, it's got to be something so horrible to make you do something like that. You know, and so then they go, they go back down, and um, Relg. So the thing that starts off this next conversation is Relg saying, "What was that cry?" Because when the Thole went off the cliff, he was, you know, despairing cry as he crashed to his death. And um, Silk says that. Three, the Grollins chased a thal off the edge of the escarpment and Relg wants to know why. And the way that he puts it is that the thal had, he said, Silk says to Relg, he'd been chosen for certain religious observances and he didn't want to participate. Yeah, it's interesting that Silk changes it to religious observance when he talks to Relg. And the other guys, it was just sacrifice. Well, and but well, yes, interesting, but also quite silk because if I can hear him saying it in quite a snarky kind of way, like a um, sarcastic tone of voice, you know, taking the proper words for what actually it is, a religious observance, and, like, putting his sarcastic twist on it. Um, but, of course, I don't think Rel recognises sarcasm at all. No. <laughs> and um, he's shocked. He refused? Oh, he deserved his fate then, he says. And um, and then Silk sort of like, well, I don't think you understand the specifics of what's going on here. And Rel gets really um, uppity and fanatic, and I, you must, one must submit to the will of one's God. It's really sanctimonious. That's the word that's used in the text. You know, religious obligations are absolute. And um, you know, Silk. Silk gets really, like he's being, he, he changes from being soft on behalf of the thole 
to quite hard in the face of Relg's fanaticism. And he wants to know, it sort of says, how much do you know about the Angrak religion? And Relg's like, oh, no, 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 I only concern myself with the religion of Olgo. And it looks like, yeah, well, maybe you should know what you're talking about before you open your mouth. He explains to him then at that point that it is human sacrifice that's happening. Um, And Relg's reaction is just kind of like staring at him with disbelief like yeah and shock yeah disbelief or like taking a moment to see if you should really believe what Mm. silk is saying and so he goes on to explain silk goes on to explain more about what they do Mm. Um, and he you know the tholes spend their whole life like basically preparing to try for this to not happen yeah, so they saved their whole it. life. Mm-hmm. And the women st- remain pregnant and pregnant and pregnant because then they will not be yes. selected. So the way they and the, the way they put it is the so the the men save their whole lives to, to so they can buy a slave, so this, they can put the slave in to be sacrificed if they happen to get selected, and the women just have to stay pregnant because the they won't sacrifice a pregnant woman because it confuses their count because they don't actually want the whole person. They just want the heart. Mm-hmm. And if a woman's pregnant, there are two hearts, I guess. Yeah, I was like, well, then they'd get two hearts instead of one. <laughs> you know, so the, t- the two things that he gets most bent out of shape about, women and religious observance, both bundled together here in a really shocking wake up call to his sheltered little world mm-hmm. yeah it would be so be interesting to see uh, how he grows on this journey i guess yeah like his his like you his growth arc for his character is probably one of the the biggest changes in a character, I think. I'll be interested to hear what our viewers, our listeners think about, um, just about that in particular, like the growth of this particular character is is massive. And I know that we can't talk about it all yet because spoilers. Right. But um, it, it, it's really... He's gone from one of my most, like, ugh, characters to one of, I don't know, I have a soft place for for Relk in my, um, but that didn't happen for a long time. <laughs> like, um, but now I do, but now I do. Um, and Dernick wants to know how they're sacrificed. Basically, just two grolems bend the thole backward over the altar. A third cuts out his heart, and they burn it in a little fire. And I think it's they so like there's a two thousand sacrifices to Torak every year. That's a lot. That's a lot. So it's it's Relg's first little lesson in the fact that a little bit of corruption is not such a big deal. Death lasts an awfully long time. Mm-hmm. 
So he's almost, he seems to be a little bit desperate at the end of this whole revelation and turns to, and asks Belgarath if it's true. But yeah, Belgarath's like, oh, he hasn't left too much out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> probably need to get your head around this, Relg, because it's going to make things that you have to do a bit easier. You've got to understand that religion means different things to different people and there's a lot to do with the nature of one's God. Yeah, it's an interesting world because, you know, there's really specific gods with each of their specific characteristics and yeah, the people really, like, align their lives with that. So Yeah. That's kind of the meat of the chapter um, is re- this revelation to Relk and to us about what religion, you know, the central core of religion for the Murgos is all about. Um, it's savage and brutal and um, horrific. And so they keep going. They start to ride out. Do they ride out along the, the plane? I'm not sure. But so it's really bare, really open sky, and Relk's having a really hard time. You know, there's so much being stripped away, all of this new stuff being introduced and all of his safety, feelings of safety being stripped away. So he's really going into a crisis that this is where he really, you know, one moment to the next flips from sanctimonious and you're really judgmental of other people and flips it then around to himself and judging himself. It's, it's, he really is in this, um, this time of crisis trying to work out, I guess, just what, you know, what's real. You know, we all do that. We all go through those moments of, okay, you know, for me, I think we touched a little bit earlier on the what we choose to spend our energy on. I don't know. I think that was in before the show. Yeah. Um, you know, the... the oh, oh, hang on, I've lost my thread. Can you pick it up? I'm currently multitasking. Um, oh, okay, okay, no worries. So, 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 it, it, so Relg is really um, in this, this time of crisis you know, stopping a lot for prayers. Varric's comment is it's going to take us, you know, all year to get to Rakthol if we have to keep stopping so he can pray. And Belgarath's still quite calm. He's like, well, he needs this. Um, We can live with it if we have to, you know. We need him. He needs this. And so I think that's that's really kind of beautiful too. And in the same vein that, you know, of our theme of the show, what's right for you, isn't what's right for me, but, you know, that doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be right for me. So it's not just it's not just Relg who's having to broaden his concept of religion. It's also the other people in the party who have come across this little person who has very particular religious observances that are inconvenient to them because it's not what they know yeah and it interrupts them because it's not anything that that they're invested in 
So it's yeah. it's like it's not just a one way thing here. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, they have to be a observant of his ways too, and then yeah. respectful of them, and you know. Yeah, and it's harder because he's a new he's the new one in the group, and you know they don't have that emotional bond or that brotherly bond yet. Mm-hmm. that the others have had time to build up. But remember back when Mandarell joined? Yeah, <laughs> Those, he was the awkward one. Exactly. Like like Barak, and, exactly. Mm-hmm. Barak was saying the same kinds of things about him, like what a, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barak's the first one to say, <laughs> to say <laughs> something. <laughs> He is, isn't he? Uh-huh. You said that last. You said something about that last week. Barry's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he is. Um, and then like the last, well, the last piece of the chapter. I don't know how important it is, but they just run into the uh, Tolnidran man. Yeah, on well, the road, and they kind of exchange notes of the pathways, like what's going on. So, well, the interesting things I think are that um, we see Silk transform into his persona yeah. of Ambar of Koshu again. Uh, the, you know, respectable merchant. They get to the caravan route um, running between uh, uh, Tolnitra and Thormurgos. And so this is where the mer- this is where all of the trade, this is like the big trade route. They have a conversation basically, basically there's lots of really weird shit going on in Thormurgos and Tolnitra, the king, is like doing outrageous things basically to rid the region of Western merchants, like so discouraging outsiders from coming in. So that's, you know, a thing, trying to get all the outsiders out. And so because of that, uh, uh, like uh, an encampment or like a a village has, has sprung up outside of the city where it's safe to trade and so merchants don't have to go all the way into the city where people are being killed and butchered and all this weirdness is happening and they can still like do their trade and then nick off again and that's probably only important because that's where they're heading next i think okay and on the other thing the other thing that's important um, is that we get to see Relg changing his behaviour, adapting to fit in with the company. You know, they get into Thormurgos. They can't stop anymore because of, there are patrols around. They can't just stop so for Relg to pray. And so Belgarat says, he says, no, you can't do that now. Keep going. All's patient. <laughs> He'll wait. Keep going. So that's the first instance of Relg needing to adapt his behaviour to fit the group. Yeah. And, yeah, there's a lot of sort of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's about it. So there's the, the they have the conversation and Calvor, this merchant that ambar has been talking to, and by AKA Silk. Uh, it's about a three days ride to get to this place. 
And so probably that's where they're going to go next. And that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long chapter. I feel a little tired, more tired now. <laughs> just talking through it. But yeah, there was, did you, you have know, any, did you have any questions or like things that no, stood out to you or not really? No. Okay. Just more of a um, can't think of the right word. Just a chapter for me that wasn't really that much. I just didn't resonate with it. Though. Oh wow! Really? Okay. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah I guess I don't know why I mean it might have just been I've been feeling really tired these last yeah. couple of days there's a lot in it that, that's, that's, I think it's one of those ones where we could just go deep 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 into some of the ideas there yeah that'd be something we could do you know, it was like extra episodes and just spend oh. the hour talking only about the one. I think that we do enough talking about them. Yeah. We have other books to get to. Let's just keep going. Yeah. Okay. So moving on then to the magic of the chapter. Mm -hmm. I, I had a hard time finding magic in this chapter. And again, I don't know. If I was just tired last night or what was going on, but I ended up finally choosing Carrion's patience with Relg throughout those <laughs> yes. nine days that he had to spend with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's magic in that, absolutely. And my magic is kind of along the same lines. We've both got this emotional, you know, internal um, magic. Mine is the, the real compassion of Silk and how it's displayed soft for the thull, the thull that hurls himself off the cliff and then the cliff and then stern for Relg. And both of those instances are instances of compassion. And because this, this is stuff that Relg has to know and Silk delivers it not nastily and not not really preaching at him, but just laying it out. Really um, passionately, mm -hmm. I think, like really. And it's just the way that he gets so, like it's like Silk to me has seen all the parts of the world, all of the corruption, all of the vice, but he still has this place in his soul that is that feels for other people. He's not hard. That's my magic. Yeah, that is. That is magic. Monsieur Reality. My reality is um, relating to Relg with his sin-filled thinking. I used to think this way very much like like him. I didn't verbalize it like he does, but that's basically <laughs> what was going on in my head. It was kind of like what he displayed in this chapter. Oh, honey. And that's all just because of the Catholic Church, really. Oh, wow. You know, and unfortunately, 
but a family that's very strong in the beliefs of the Catholic Church. Like they're just talking about what they know mm-hmm. to be right. But man, I had some serious guilt, especially when I stopped going to mass every Sunday. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, if you don't go to mass every Sunday, you're sinning. It's a big sin to not go to mass. And so um I wasn't, I was already like 27 or something to finally broke away from that tradition, even though I probably really wanted to about 18, 19. Wow. So 10 years. Yeah. So it was a long, a long road kind of freeing myself from all of that. So neat. I was going to ask, was it hard? Obviously it was hard. It took you 10 years. Yeah. Well, the, you know, parents and thankfully the rest of my family is like four hours away so they aren't like here here but they're all very strong catholics over there too so it was really like mostly my parents i don't want to like disappoint and you know now there's there's a understanding between us though that Mm -hmm. you know they've realized that meditation for me is like going to mass for them I connect better with the source, which is God, you know, much better without some religious structure around it. Yeah. And on the other hand, I became Catholic when my girls, uh, I wanted to send my girls to a Catholic primary school. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about the workings of the Catholic religion. And so I went through, a, you know, a course to study. I was actually baptised Catholic. And the, the difference, like I would go to Mass and it was beautiful. I would watch the energy. The, the priest, he was just this beautiful guy. I would watch the play of energy because I, I can see, like, I don't see colour so much as texture, like working with energy for my whole life. And so I came with this other perspective than the people around me who had been born into this religion, who, who there was no magic there for them. I would sit there and every week be in tears at the beauty that I could see and like I would like hear the prayers and the hymns and the ritual and it was a because I had this other perspective and because I was looking for the, the I could I, w- I was open to the magic of what is what was possible and I couldn't believe that nobody else <laughs> like no I was like what's wrong with me I can it's so beautiful nobody else thinks this is beautiful what's going on they're caught up, they're they're raised in it, they're caught up and purely the ritual of it has no meaning to them. They just do it to do it because otherwise yeah. they're sinning. They don't do it, they're sinning. So they have to go to mass and say yeah. things and get the bread and the wine. Yeah. You know? But like see, so so I guess because I came with a grown-up perspective, my own developed sense of spirituality, and I brought that with me. And I've got no problem taking what works and leaving the rest. I don't, I don't just follow doctrine because or dogma because that's the way it is. So I guess that's how I could find the beauty in it. But 
Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever be able to at this point. Mm. I think I'm sitting in mass and I just feel, oh. But yeah. I feel good. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. Yeah, no, you do the things that are good for you. Again, what's good for you? Yeah. So my reality, oh, is the, the way that Relk flicks from one side of the to the other of um, this mirror, this guilt mirror, you know, reflecting back at other people, reflecting to himself, you know, everyone else is bad. Oh, I'm horrible. Oh, everyone else is bad. Oh, I'm horrible. This guilt, guilt, guilt. Um, for me, that's how it was when I left Australia when I um, left my girls for several years. It was like you put me in a little relk suit and that's kind of how I was to myself mm -hmm. and to everyone involved for um, a long time. It was really that... Um, took um work <laughs> to get through <laughs> yeah yeah it's so maybe that's to go through that you know but now you can look back on the whole situation a little yeah. bit right with well yeah I, perspective i i well i have uh the perspective of lived experience now and where my life is now and where my daughter's lives are now and um but maybe, maybe that's why I have a bit of a softer place, space for this character now. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Okay, Prophecy Speaks. first or do you want me to go first? You can go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So this week I'm asking the question, shall I invite my estranged friend over for afternoon tea? Mm. This is the friend I've spoken about before. Okay. I worked through a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of, I'm like, I don't know if I want, I don't know if I've talked with you about this. I don't know if I want to open this door because I don't want to be rejected again. And I don't want to feel like I have to watch, like walk on eggshells, you know, because I was rejected for being me. It's something I did or the way I was, or I was too big or too much or too whatever. So I don't, do, do I open this door and then can I relax and continue to just be me, the me that I am now, several years later? So, yeah, so I've kind of, it's popped into my head, like oh, enough that it's like, you know, like a repetitive thought. Shall I invite her over afternoon tea? I'm using the book Entering the Castle, Finding the Inner Path to God and Your Soul's Purpose by Caroline Mace. 
I might have to get that book. (laughs) (sighs) The first mansion, the power of prayer, humility, chaos, and divine seduction. In humility is the greatest freedom. As long as you have to defend the imaginary self that you think is important, you lose your peace of heart. As soon as you compare that shadow with the shadows of other people, you lose all joy because you have begun to trade in unrealities and there is no joy in things that do not exist. Thomas Merton. Wow. That seems pretty straightforward. Um, What do you see from it? I guess I'm going to invite her over for afternoon tea. (laughs) Yeah, but also just, you know, even if she were to do something that attacked the self, you know. Exactly. It's not the real self. It's not the real you she's attacking. As long as you have to defend the imaginary self that you think is important, you lose your peace of heart. It's not easy to do that, no, but I believe that is one of the reasons we're here to master that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly good at being humble. <laughs> it's not easy. Okay. Thank you. Give it a try and let us know. I will. How it goes. All right. My question is, is it, okay, I don't know if I'm phrasing this right, but is it okay to not have a strong desire to take action on anything? Like, mm-hmm. not really anything. And I'd rather, I really feel drawn to just relaxing mm-hmm. and enjoying. Mm-hmm. But it, at the same time, there's still in the background, it appears that there's things or people or things that are waiting on me Mm -hmm. okay so I I feel this kind of like pull like like what this is what I feel centered in and is it just a cop-out because am I just then copying us and allowing myself to be lazy or something okay okay cool okay what's your book I have Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. I haven't read this in quite some time. It seemed fitting since I'm watching Supernatural with Angels and Demons. Uh Uh-huh. All right, let's see. Uh, Langdon was not entirely convinced until he glanced up at the sketch again. The angel's fiery spear was raised like a beacon pointing the way. Let angels guide you on your lofty quest. Even the type of angel Bernini had selected seemed significant. It's a seraphim, Langdon realized. Seraphim literally means the fiery one. Robert Langdon was not a man who had ever looked for confirmation from above, but when he read the name of the church where the sculpture now resided, he decided he might become a believer after all. Santa Maria 
Dea Vittoria. Vittoria, he thought, grinning, perfect. Staggering to his feet, Langdon felt a rush of dizziness. He glanced up the ladder, wondering if he should replace the book. The hell with it, he thought. Father Jacques can do it. He closed the book and left it neatly at the bottom of the shelf. <clears throat> That's quite appropriate, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then those first two, those first two paragraphs. Um, yeah. Let the angels guide you on your lofty quest. Was one that popped out at me. Mm -hmm. um, Seraphim literally means the fiery one. Um, the, the idea that the angels are brought up in this, um, and I've been asking for so much guidance from angels recently, that's telling me that it's not what I, the way I am living right now isn't a cop out for laziness. It is, it is necessary for the journey. And also he leaves the book. He doesn't put the book back. He leaves it for his friend to replace later. So, he, and okay. does, does that sort of, can you see, so it's like, um, like cop out equals should, you should do something, or I should do that, I should do that, like judgment. Mm -hmm. I should put the book back, but I'm going to leave it here and someone else can put it back. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Makes sense. So it looks like it's just some more of stories to let go of around. It's not okay to just enjoy myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And the fiery, like, if it doesn't mean that you're not being active. Yeah. It doesn't mean so, that you're copping out. You have passion. Exactly you are. Right. You are a passionate person. Yeah, because though it appears to others that I might just be sitting around a lot, I'm actually not. I'm doing, I am working. It's yes. just work they can't see. Exactly right. Exactly right. And then I see that as the necessary piece to be able to make this outer place where they can see stuff start happening yeah. to happen. Yep. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Good. I'm learning <laughs> I'm learning to stand my ground against those who really tell me that that action, like this kind of action that you see movement is necessary. And even yourself, like you are the biggest one that you're standing up yeah. to. Yes, because I notice as soon as I hear a little hint of some from somebody's mouth, doesn't matter who it is, that you have to do, you have to put effort in, you have to blah, 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 you have to do all this stuff. Um, the, there's that little guilt that just kind of like starts and it's not that strong anymore, but it's still like, mm. well, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe they're yeah. right. Yep. And then I just like, oh, whatever. And I ignore it, but it's still like, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of eat at me a little bit. Holy shit. It's after 10. 
I know. We got to go. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's Prophecy 6 done. Prediction. Next chapter. Prediction. Last week, I said they will find Rog buried in a hole or hiding in a tree. <laughs> and the journey will continue quietly. <laughs> so, not so much. Not I mean, so you much. did kind of lose it. Mm. So that was kind of. Next week, I think they're going to move. Obviously, they're going to move deeper into whatever that city is. Felmogo. So this is the country, the land. Okay. And they'll be able to see firsthand the danger the man was telling them about the, you know, and maybe before they even get there, they might face some of that danger okay. or unrest. And maybe Rog will take them under the caves because aren't they supposed to be doing that? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure when that happens. So, okay. Cool. We'll see. And hashtag for this episode. Mm. Lustful thoughts. Okay. Nay? Lust. Yeah. Lust in the dust. Because <laughs> Rogue's always groveling around in the dust with his. Yeah. Brain. There was a lot of dust in this chapter, though. And yeah, and the, and the across the plane. And running. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, Lust in the Dust. I actually quite like that for a title. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it could be a title. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to make that a title. <laughs> That's the title. So now we need a new hashtag. Off the cliff. Uh, yeah, off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Off I the can think of anything. That thing's coming to my head, so. Off a cliff. Hashtag for this week is off a cliff. So if you want to use the hashtag, you can do that any way you like. So if you want to go onto Patreon and make a comment uh, in one of the posts, uh, chuck it in if you like. Otherwise, just appreciate the way it ties in to our conversation. And I just do it because it's fun. <laughs> it's not yeah. actually serving a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for hanging around to the end of this very long episode. It has been, a, I think, a good conversation. It has, yeah. Well, it also feels longer for us because we had to stop a few times. Oh, that's true. And Zoom crash. Oh, that's going to get, yeah. That's going to get real fucking old if that happens every week. That happened last week as well. I know. It didn't crash completely. But the last two weeks, this is the third week it's happened. It's really pissing me off. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so thanks for hanging around everybody. We really appreciate you. Thanks to our patrons for supporting us the way that you do. And um, hope you enjoyed this episode. You will find all the extended show notes um, and links to everything at our website, belgariatandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. Um, you can leave a voice message. There's a link for that. You know, if you want to chat about episodes and, you know, with other 
fans of the show, head over to Patreon. You can follow us there. I haven't quite worked out how to say all this new blurb yet. Um, and you can always email belgariotandbeyond at gmail.com with any questions or comments. And the, the Belgariot and Beyond podcast is an indie production. So the best way that you can support the show is to become a patron. You can get extra uh, bonus podcasts called Before the Show. That's what Delicia and I talk about before we record the show that goes out public and after the show. And it contains lots of personal or more intimate stuff where we go a bit deeper into some of our spiritual beliefs and general, you know, thoughts. Um, and you can also get access to uncut, completely uncut video episodes of every episode that we put out. And, you know, I talk a lot with my hands and, and there yes. are puppies and little people who pop through doors unexpectedly. And <laughs> it just adds a whole other layer to video, I think. I've watched, I mean, it's for me, I, I edit the show. And so I listen to the audio and then some, then I'll go and I don't know what, I don't watch the video as well, but I, you know, every now and then I'll sort of have a bit of a look and it's different. It's like a different, um, I don't know. It, it feels like a different conversation. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's some of the things you can get when you become a patron. Yeah. It sounds amazing everything <laughs> everything wrapped up so nicely you always do such a good job with oh. the the ending you know it's a lot to go through thanks Definitely. i appreciate i appreciate that and i appreciate you alicia showing up here every week thank you it's you know it's a fun thing to do it's never a chore it's never no. like work it's just like okay let's go do this what are we going to get into today <laughs> A little oh. adventure. All right, I'll let you go. So, and you know how you have mummy and proxy teacher things to do, and I have sleeping things to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also have to leave in an hour to pick up my other child. Oh, okay. She's actually at school. That whole story I didn't share, but. Oh, hang on, I just say bye, everybody. See you back in your ears next week. Bye.